This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. If this is your first service here today, well, well, I trust you've had a great day. And if you haven't, just bump your husband and say it's still not too late. You can still do something. (laughs) Have you all had a great day? Thank you for coming out in the rain. You guys are awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, won't you stand with me? We're going to open in prayer, and then we're going to get straight into the Word this evening. And uh, while you're standing, let me take this opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the great privilege and honor to be able to minister the Word of God uh, to you this evening. I truly am grateful for that. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this great opportunity that we can come together to spend time in your presence. Thank you for meeting the needs of all your people, setting them free. Lord, we are so grateful. We never take for granted the opportunities that we are given to be in the house of God together. Father, as we spend time in your word this evening, we hand the service over to you. This is your church. Come and have your way. Lord, speak through me tonight. I do not trust in my own ability, but totally depend upon you to have your way. And I pray for every era, whether they are in person or at home, that, Lord, their ears are open to hear, their hearts are ready to receive, and their lives will change as a result of your word. And we give you all the praise this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may be seated, and I encourage you as always to bring your Bibles, bring a notepad and a pen so that uh, you can obviously take notes and follow in the Word. And if you don't have that yet, you can use our church app. If you go to our church app, you'll see there at the bottom left-hand side a block where you can follow on. Click on that. That'll give you the, the Scripture outline, some points, and obviously some place to make notes, which will obviously help you to grow faster. Well, this evening, I want to bring you a message, or I am bringing you a message, and I'm going to give you the title of the message a little bit later, but if you wanted a subtitle, this is a subtitle, this is not what I've titled it, but the subtitle could be The Greatest Deception, The Greatest Deception, but I'll give you my title a little bit later so you can write that one down, because either will work. Well, if you have your Bibles, won't you turn with me to Revelations chapter 12, And we're going to start reading from verse 7 from the New Living Translation. And this is what the Word of God says. Revelation 12 from 7 through to 9 says this. Then there was war in heaven. Just stop there for a moment. Can you imagine what that must have looked like? War in heaven. I mean, that'll make a great movie. War in heaven. (laughs) We'll make a great movie. Can you imagine what that must be like? All these archangels, these powerful angels in heaven in war. It must have been quite a sight to behold. Can you just imagine that? Anyway, it goes on to say, then there was war in heaven. Michael and the angels under his command fought the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle and was forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or called Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with all his angels. So ponder on that for a moment. You know, when I read this portion of scripture, I thought to myself, how clever (laughs) Lucifer must have been to deceive angels to follow his cause, 
when these angels are flying around the throne of God every day, looking at his majesty, his splendor, yet the devil, Satan, Lucifer, managed to deceive them even in heaven that they should follow his course. And we know from reading the word of God, Satan said, I want to sit on the throne. I want to be the man in charge. I want to be in control. I just find that quite interesting. Even in heaven, angels were deceived that were in the presence of God. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, it says this, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. That word nations can also be translated, if you look it up in the original Hebrew, uh, yeah, Hebrew, it also can be translated as people. You weaken the people. So we look at this portion of scripture here, and we see that the devil, Satan, deceived angels, and we see that he weakened the nations. Have you ever heard of this saying before? United we stand, divided we fall. Have you ever heard that? United we stand, divided we fall. You see, family, the greatest deception that the devil has brought in heaven and on the earth, the greatest deception that he has got right in the past and is still getting right today is this, that he's the one that causes division, isolation, separation. He deceives people into believing they can go through life alone. That's what he believes. He deceives people that they are self-made. That's what he gets right. He's deceiving people to believe that it's okay to be in isolation, to be alone, to be separated. I said this once before, and let me just share it again if you've missed it in the past. The first problem in the Bible was not sin. The first problem in the Bible was solitude was being alone. That was the first problem. We read here in Genesis 2.18 from the Amplified Translation, and it says this, Now the Lord God said, it is not good. Let's just pause there for a moment. If God says anything is not good, even if we think it's good, it's not good. <laughs> if God deems something to not be good, let's not argue. Okay? So yeah, God is saying... The Lord speaking, he said, it is not good, it is not sufficient or satisfactory that the man should be alone. So evidently in God's eyes, being by yourself is not good. Being isolated, being separated, being alone is not good. He goes on to say, God said, I will make him a helper meet or a help meet, some translations say, suitable adapted, complementary for him. I'm going to provide somebody to come alongside this man that they can complement one another. Why? Because united we stand. And being alone is not good. That's what the Lord said. And so family, why did I put that in there? Because we need to understand right from the beginning, right from Genesis, Satan brought division or deception by deceiving Eve into believing it was all good to eat the fruit when God said don't eat it. I mean, it's fruit. Doesn't look bad, right? It can't be bad. I mean, food's healthy. Fruit is healthy for you, isn't that right? 
But yeah, the devil deceived her. And when he did that, he deceived her into believing that something that God said no to is okay to do, even though it looks fine to do. And because of that, it brought a rift between Adam and Eve and God. That's what it did. Look what she said here in Genesis 3.13. It says, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The serpent deceived me. You see, the definition for the word deceive, if you look it up in a dictionary, it says this, deliberately, in other words, on purpose, deliberately cause someone to believe something that is not true, especially for personal gain. So family, we see a deception is when somebody's deceived, they don't know they deceived, that's why they deceived. <laughs> because if you're deceived, you don't know. That's what deception is. You're believing something's the truth, but it's actually not. That's what deception is. And so I can imagine what Eve must have been thinking. It doesn't say this in the Bible, but let's obviously just use our imagination. But I can imagine what she must be thinking. This deception that I've just gone through, this deception caused me to go against what God said was best for me. This deception. And you see, family, the devil has been doing that from the beginning, from when he managed to deceive angels to think it was right to go against God, through deceiving Evia, believing it was okay. I mean, the devil just can't do into it. Surely you won't die if you eat the fruit. Come on, it can't be that bad. Really? Come on, Eve, it's fruit, man. And so she fell for that, and he deceived her. And you see, he's up to those same tricks today. He's deceiving people by wrapping stuff up, candy coating it, making it look like it's okay, but it's not. You know, how many of you, uh, uh, well, I don't know how, what it's like now, but I remember when I was a lot younger, they used to have all these adverts on TV. This is going back a while now. I don't know if they still do that because I, I don't... Uh, uh, watch SABC or any of those channels, but they used to have these adverts that used to advertise smoking and all the winners smoke. I mean, the camel man, have you seen the member the camel man? I mean, he's strong and he's healthy and he's conquering the world and he's the man's man and he's smoking. And if you look at a lot of these alcohol adverts, they portray a life of victory and success. Look, this guy, he's got all the friends and I mean, his life is just perfect. He's making the money. I mean, he's successful. They're always so well-dressed and presented, you know? And it's always painting a picture to the human race that what's not good is good. And family, listen to me. There's not one sentence that has the word alcoholic in it that ends with success. Doesn't happen. It's not true. You can speak to any family that has an alcoholic in their family there's challenges, there's division, there's, I mean, people have died from alcohol, being alcoholic. There's no good story with that in the sentence. And there's many, many things like that where the devil is deceiving people, candy coating it, putting it in a nice little cotton cushion thing to say, oh, life is great. You don't have to worry. You guys can live together because you want to just see if you're compatible. And then if you are, then maybe you'll get married. Well, when I read the Bible, 
It said, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, not live with his fiance or girlfriend. Now, I'm not getting on your case. Family, listen to me. The devil deceives people into believing that it's okay to live a certain lifestyle for the purpose of his personal gain, which is to destroy your life. That's all he wants to do. The devil wants to do that. That's what he's coming to do. So if I wanted to read to you the devil, devil's job description, or if he was applying for a job, this is what his CV would say. Do you want to see it? Do you know it's actually in the Bible? The devil's CV is in the Bible. Jesus actually gave it to us. He told us what it is. Turn with me to John chapter 10 and verse 10. Jesus speaking, and he says this, the thief comes only. Some translations say the thief does not come except to. In other words, the devil's not coming into your life at all unless for these things. He says, yeah, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he's coming to do. He's not coming to bless you. He's not coming to help you. He's only coming to divide, to conquer, and to separate. He's only coming to kill, steal, and destroy. Right from the beginning of time, he came to kill, steal, and destroy. He wanted to destroy everything that God was putting into place right from the Garden of Eden. He wanted to destroy God's plan even from heaven, from inception. He wanted to do that. So his CV is very simple. Steal, kill, destroy. That's all. It's a false thing to believe that anything that the devil offers is going to be for your advantage. It's not going to happen. So whenever he brings anything into our lives, it's for that purpose. Jesus went on to say, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the kind of life that God wants for us. So yeah, we are seeing what the devil's plan is. Listen to this one in James 3 verse 16. James 3 verse 16 says this. For where envying and strife is, let's just once again, put a pause there. For where envying and strife is, there's a difference between disagreement and strife. We can disagree. You like tea, I like coffee. Okay, we can disagree. You can, we can disagree that this make of a car is better than that make of a car. That's not strife. Disagreement doesn't have to be strife. Peter and Paul agreed to disagree. The Bible said they agreed to disagree. They both went on, both fulfilled God's plan for their life. They just, just, just didn't agree on a certain way they wanted to go about it. That's not the end of the world. Many people have differences, right? Hey, whatever it might be, food they like, weight to train, what's best diet for you, what medication or vitamins are best for you. People will have their own opinion. That's not a problem. But strife is completely different. You see, strife is where there is an absolute division. There's animosity. There's arguing. There's resentment. You don't use strife in a sentence when things are working out okay. <laughs> strife means there's a problem. So yeah, in James 3.16, it says, for where there's this envy and strife, listen to this, where there is this envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. So where does evil come from? We just read it. Kill, steal, and destroy. So come on, family, let's recognize here that it's the devil bringing the strife in order to separate, isolate, break down so that he can conquer. That's what the devil's about. So I want you to, us to 100% understand that the greatest deception 
that the devil is bringing is to make people believe something is true that's not true, and he doesn't necessarily bring it around as a sinful thing. He candy coats it, makes it look nice, and presents it that way. You know, if he, if he was in the garden and he just said to, to Eve, for example, listen, just kill your husband and let's just go like burn this place down, she would have thought, are you crazy? So he just candy coated it, but oh, it's fruit, come on, surely it can't kill you if you eat it. Look how nice it is. And obviously, if you've read the story, you know what happened. So he presents it that way. So everything that the devil is about is division, strife, isolation, separation. But God... Our loving God is all about unity, togetherness, being in one accord. That's what he's about. In Matthew 18, 20, Jesus speaking, and this is what he says. He says, for where two or three are gathered together, say, to, say with me tonight, unity. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. When we come together in his name, he's automatically present. Why? Because God moves when there's unity. Look at the verse before that, verse 19. Matthew 18, 19, Jesus speaking, and he says, Again I say to you, that if two of you agree, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, anything obviously according to God's will, right? Anything that they ask, it will be done for them. Not might be, not could be. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I find that so interesting. That God will move no matter what you need if you're in agreement and unified. He'll move. How? That's, that's his thing. But he'll just move. When there's unity, when there's, when there's, when there's harmony, when we come together, he will do that. Psalm 133 confirms this from verse 1. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is. It's pleasant and good for brethren to dwell together in unity. Look what it goes on to say in verse 3. For there, in unity, for there, the subject is unity. For there, in unity, the Lord commanded the blessing. It's just for me so amazing that God will move on our behalf when we are unified. He will just move. He's just moved by being in one accord. You know, we all know the, the account of the upper room, right? When the Holy Spirit came down in the book of Acts. The Bible tells us that there was 120 in the upper room. That's what it tells us, okay? And the Bible says they were in one accord. They were unified. And because there was unity... God moved, it suddenly happened. Their lives were touched and changed. Now, if one of those 120 just decided, you know what, guys, I've been hanging around you for a while. This is taking a while. I'm just gonna take a walk through the city. I'm gonna do my own thing for a day or so. I'll check in with you guys later. And just wasn't in that place and was not unified with those people, even loving Jesus, even believing the Lord, but was not where God wanted them to be, that one person would have not experienced the move of God because they weren't where God wanted them to be. You see, family, being in the house of God is where God wants you to be. And God moves in the house of God. There is an anointing reserved for the house of God. I love you online, and I'm grateful that you tuned in, but you really are missing out. 
you really are missing out because there is an anointing reserved for the house of God. That presence, that move of God in the upper room was reserved for those that were there where God told them to be and they were unified and the anointing came down and the Holy Ghost touched them. Amen. And so tonight, if you will allow me just for a few moments, I wanna just present some statistics to you, okay? And I want to upfront make it very clear. I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room or the elephant in the country or the elephant in the world. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about COVID. Okay, is that okay? But family, listen to me, lean in. It's important that you hear what I'm saying now. I am not saying, I am not saying that COVID-19, the medical condition is not real. I'm not saying that. Okay, don't want anybody to miss what I'm saying. COVID-19, the medical condition is real. It's happened. People do contract it. It has caused a lot of challenges in people's life. I'm not saying it's not real. I want to address the peripherals around that. Is that okay? So I know of friends, personal friends, that I buried myself who passed away from COVID, the medical condition. I've been in funerals of people that are dear to me that passed away from COVID. I've had own family members that have struggled and fought through this, so it's very real. So I'm just repeating myself because I don't want anybody to say that I'm this conspiracy theorist that COVID-19 is not real. I'm not saying that. Are we all with me? The medical condition, COVID is real. But I wanna leave some statistics with you and I want you to decide on something yourself. Now this information that I'm about to give you, I got off of the internet, it's not secret. You can go find it yourself. It's not made up. You can check it yourself. I didn't get it from Google. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because some people have this thing about Google. Well, Google's hiding information or whatever it is. So I didn't get it from Google. I looked on other search engines, in more than one, by the way, and I collected this information, but it's out there. You can check it out. There's nothing hidden. It's all out there. So according to this information on the World Wide Web, and this is about a week old, so let me just say this is about a week old when I was putting my message together, so obviously some of this, the information is maybe a little bit out, but it's just gonna paint the same picture. According to this, over the last two years in the world, the whole world, 511,601,622 people, so let's just call it 511 million. 511 million people were tested positive for COVID. It's on the World Wide Web, you can check it out. 511 million people, it's there. It doesn't say how many of those people were repeat cases, because some people have repeat, got repeat cases, but for this exercise, let's just take it as one person, one uh, negative, a positive case. Is that okay? 511 million. According to the internet, on this planet, right now are almost 8 billion people. That's eight with nine zeros behind it, okay? Eight billion people. That's what according to this, this, this uh, information is. That tells me, according to that, that 6.4% of the world's population were tested positive for COVID. That's what that says, give or take, okay? 6.4%. Of those five, oh, sorry, 511 million people, 6,253,642 of them 
passed away from COVID from the five, uh, uh, 511 million. 6.2 million people, according to them, passed away. That is 0.08% of the world's population passed away from COVID. Are you with me? Okay. So that tells me, I mean, of those 6.2 million, if I take that number against the 511 million, 1.22% of the people who contracted it, who were tested positive, passed away. So of the 511 million, 1.2% of them who got it passed away. So I'm leaving this up to you to decide. The whole world was forced into lockdown for 6.4% of the population. 93.6%, according to them, never even tested positive. Now, they may have had it, but they didn't take a test, but just going on their stats. So they isolated the world for one out of every 10 people, basically, where 93% of the world never got it, but just for the 6.4, they put the whole world into a lockdown. In South Africa, 1,351 people passed away from COVID in the last two years, according to this information. Do you know that every single year in South Africa, every year, you can go back as far as you can get the information, between 6,000 and 11,000 people die of influenza every year, every year. 6,000 to 11,000 every year pass away. Do you know what is the biggest cause of death in our country? Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis kills between 60,000 and 80,000 South Africans a year. So if I take that figure over two years, and I take the smallest number, more, more people have died from tuberculosis in our country than have died from COVID. And the world statistic says that 1.4 million people die from tuberculosis every single year. 1.4 million people. According to what I research, and I'm not a doctor, so please, if there's any medical doctors in this room, no stones, please. I'm just, this is what they said, that tuberculosis can be transferred. So when was the last time you heard our leaders tell us to wear masks and isolate and be locked away because more people are dying from tuberculosis than are from COVID. So I'm leaving this up to you. I'm not telling you. I'm just asking the question. Do you think that the actions that they took were necessary? Just think about it. I'm not asking for your answers. Just think about it. Why am I sharing this? Because I believe that the deceiver the devil has used this pandemic to isolate, separate, and divide people. Isolate, separate, and divide people. I believe that. You look around you. There are people that used to be in church every single weekend before COVID, but they've still not come back to church. There's a bigger picture here, okay? Because really, let's be honest, the devil's really not so interested in our, what car you drive. He's really not so interested in where you live. But he is very interested in you not making it to heaven. 
He's super interested in breaking down your faith. You know, when, 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 when uh, 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 Jesus spoke to Peter, and, and he said to Peter, Peter, the devil wants to sift you as wheat. In other words, the devil wants to come against you big time. Jesus never said, but don't worry, I'm going to pray that he doesn't. He didn't pray that. He said, Peter, I'm going to pray that your faith does not fail. And the people who are our family, who are not in the chairs, who haven't been back, their faith has been robbed. Now, I know you're watching on TV. I understand that, and I love you, but that's not God's best for you. You see, your family, Proverbs 18, one says this, a man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he rages against all wise judgment. When we are in isolation, we can't judge things properly. Can I prove that opposite of that? Yes, look at Proverbs 27, 17. It says, just as iron sharpens iron, friends sharpen the minds of each other. You need to have people around you to discuss, to, to, to debate, to guide, to help, to walk along. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans go wrong without talking together, but they will go well when many wise men talk about what to do. I'm concerned for our family that are not back in church. I'm concerned how it's affecting their walk. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. So let's just change that a bit and say, where people are alone, and don't have people around them to disciple them, to guide them, to give them next steps, there's failure in their life. But when they're together around people that are discipling them, counseling them, helping them, they walk in victory. Why, family? Well, here's the title of my message. Because we are better together. We are better together. We just are better together, family. That's just the truth. One is too small of a number to make a difference. Do you know what was very interesting about Jesus' ministry? When Jesus was about to start his ministry, when he got to that age where he's about to start his ministry, do you know what was the first thing he did? He went and looked for disciples. First thing, he went and found people that he could walk with, impart into, build up and strengthen. First, check it out, read your, read your Bible. That's what he did. Because he knew alone is failure. Together is victory. That's what he knew. And in Hebrews 10, it says this to us. It says, let us keep paying attention to one another in order to spur each other on to love and good deeds. Verse 25 from the Passion Translation says this. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Some translations say neglecting church services as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. Why? Why? Listen to this. Eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. That day is the day of the Lord's return. And I want to say this to everybody. You in church, and I'm super proud of you. I want to speak to you that are at home and that are online. You know, there's the account where Jesus spoke about the five wise and five foolish virgins. All 10 loved the Lord. All 10 read the word. 
all 10 at some point were churchgoers. But only five made it in at the marriage feast of the Lamb. Because the other five were not where they should be. And I'm saying this because we love you. I'm not saying this for job security. <laughs> but you need to be in the house of God. It's, remember, church is not a man-made thing. Church is God's idea. If you study up the history of church, church is God's idea. And God wants you to be in the house of God. There's a reason for it. There's stuff that happens that you won't get anywhere else. So I'm encouraging you. You need to be in the house of God. You see, family, there are principles you'll hear in God's house that will transform your business, your home, your life, and your future. God will say things to you there that you won't hear anywhere else. Can you afford to live without that information? Your body is temporal, but your soul is eternal. How clever is it to care for one, yet neglect the other? Everybody who was anybody was in church. Oh, sorry, any, everybody who was anybody in the Bible went to church. Why? Because that's where you'll find a family to belong to and insights to live by that will make this life better and eternity wonderful. We need to be in the house of God. And my challenge to everybody that's here is to go out and speak to those that you knew were once here and bring them home. Say to them, come home. It's time to come home. They need to be in the house of God. We are better together. It's just a fact. So we are here, and I'm grateful that you're in the house of God. And I'm saying to you online, family, come home. It's really time to be home. We are stronger and better together. And the Bible is full of that. You can read for, about it in all the Old and New Testament. That if we're alone, we are weaker. But when we're together, we're stronger. So I'm encouraging you. Let's get home. Let's be better together. Let's not allow the greatest deception to separate us, isolate us, and cause us to walk in failure. God wants you to succeed. And we do that better as a family. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, won't you, amen, give the Lord a praise. Won't you please bow your heads and close your eyes at this time. We're not done with the service. We're going to come back and sort something out in a moment. But if you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes at this time. And friend, I want to give you an opportunity. If you are sitting here today or you're online and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, today's your day. I want to give you an opportunity to join the family of God, to be better together in the family of God. You may never, ever have prayed this prayer before or asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Today, I want to give you that opportunity. I won't embarrass you. I'm not asking you to come up to me. You just stay in your chairs. And in a moment, I'm going to count to three and you can slip your hand up saying, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. My second invitation is to every person who once walked with the Lord, but you know that your relationship has got cold. You're not serving Him the way you used to. You're not spending time with Him the way that you used to. Well, friend, this is the day for you to reignite that relationship. If you will also in a moment raise your hand, then I will include you in that prayer and you can know that your relationship will be restored with Him. And then my last invitation is to any person who says, Pastor, I don't know what will happen to me. If I breathe my last, I don't know if I'll make it into heaven or if I'll fall into the flames of hell. I don't want to go there. I want to go to heaven. Friend, please, raise your hand when I count to three and we'll pray with you and you can know for sure that heaven is your home. So at the count of three, I want to come to Jesus for the first time. 
I want to come back to Him and just restore my relationship. Or number three, I want to make sure that when I breathe my last, I'll go into heaven to my loving Father. One, two, three. Just raise it above your head. God bless you. Good decision. Well done. God bless you, sir. Well done. Is there anybody else? Just raise your hand. God bless you at the back there. Congratulations. Bless you. Bless you. If you're in another venue, if you're online, just raise your hand. You're raising your hand just to say, Lord, I want to be right with you. That's what you're doing. You're acknowledging him as your Lord and Savior. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Is there anybody else before we pray? Just slip your hand up and we'll be praying. Awesome. Now, friends, we're going to pray this prayer together. I'm going to invite everybody in church tonight to pray this prayer, but especially those that have raised their hands. Won't you pray this prayer as well? Specifically you, but let's all pray it together. Are you ready? Let's say this. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. I ask you, Lord, please forgive me for every sin. I do believe Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. Today, I choose to forgive every person who has hurt me or offended me. And I thank you, Lord, for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. You are better together with the Father. You are better together in this family. We are super excited to have you part of this family. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.